Welcome to the Farming Your Career podcast with host Dr. Aaron L. Albert, where we explore a variety of healthcare and pharmacy related topics, including career development, healthcare IT, informatics, innovation, entrepreneurship, STEM, women's issues, and more. Farming Your Career podcast is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and Aaron has had the number one most downloaded episodes of 2016 and 2017 of the entire Pharmacy Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Dr. Aaron L. Albert. Welcome to Farming Your Career. I'm Aaron Albert. Today's episode is brought to you by my new online course, 57 Cool Jobs for Pharmacists. I know from all the podcast work that we've done here at the Pharmacy Podcast, one of the hottest topics in farming your career that you all want to hear about is the amazing range of variety when it comes to career development. And now I'm delivering that to you in an online course. You can go to farmllc.teachable.com and click on 57 Cool Jobs for Pharmacists. And included in that course is one-on-one time with yours truly, where we sit down and go through your career development and craft a new and exciting career pathway just for you. Now, on to today's guest and episode. This has been months in the making. Uh, Kate Gaynor, Dr. Kate Gaynor of the Iowa Pharmacy Association, and I have been going back and forth, and for various reasons, uh, we both had been trying to schedule this podcast now for several months, and luckily, I snagged her for you, dear listeners. She currently serves as the Executive Vice President and CEO. CEO for the Iowa Pharmacy Association and has been in this role since 2012. The IPA serves as the sole organization representing the profession of pharmacy in Iowa and pharmacists in all practice settings. IPA's mission is to promote safe and effective medication use, improve the health of patients, and advance the profession of pharmacy. Dr. Gaynor oversees strategic planning for IPA and its subsidiaries, as well as business development, professional affairs, and government relations. She has worked for the Iowa Pharmacy Association for over 10 years, previously as the Vice President of Professional Affairs. She received her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and was named Young Alumnus of the Year in 2016. She completed a pharmacy practice residency with an emphasis in community care through Drake University and Medicap Pharmacy. In addition to serving as the Executive Vice President of the Iowa Pharmacy Association, Kate is active in other pharmacy organizations on the national level, including the National Alliance for State Pharmacy Associations, APHA, ASHP, NCPA, and PACE, P-A-C-E. Kate was named to Des Moines 40 Under 40 in 2014 and has participated in and co-chaired Leadership Iowa. Her husband, Bob, is an attorney in Des Moines, Iowa, and they have four children who keep them very busy and on their toes. Uh, Their children range from six, five, and two years of age. So let's get into this. And, you know, one of the career development pathways that we really haven't discussed a whole lot yet is serving in an association. So give a listen to this discussion that Kate and I have about 
different certifications you can attain, different experiences both on the APPE side as well as the residency and fellowship side of things to get more involved in associations at the regional, state, and even national levels, in some cases international levels. And we hope you enjoy this and I hope you get something out of it in thinking a little bit differently about the association career pathway relative to pharmacists. So we're here today with Kate Gaynor, who is the Executive Vice President and CEO of the Iowa Pharmacy Association. So Kate, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Erin. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to schedule this now for quite some time. So I'm excited to have you on the show finally. And with Farming Your Career, obviously, we always focus on career development. So we definitely wanted to have someone on at the leadership level for a state pharmacy association. So I reached out to Kate uh, several months ago and we finally connected. So I'm thrilled to have her on the show. And inevitably, the first question I always ask any of our guests is how, Kate, did you get to where you are today in terms of your career? I would say somewhat circuitously. I never planned on a career in association management. In fact, most people that pursue this career path um, very early on get engaged in pharmacy associations and are active members as students um, or at the state or national level. And for me, as a student, I was actually a member of zero professional organizations. Interesting. It was only when I became a resident in Iowa that I joined IPA and a few national organizations, which really opened the door for me. It opened the door to exposing me into what associations do for members of the profession. And it opened the door for my professional network. And I really met mentors during that year that helped me on my career path. And my predecessor at IPA, Tom Temple, is the one who hired me near the end of my residency year. So your residency then was kind of the trigger for you to get involved in associations and, and even view that as a potential career path. Yeah, probably at the end of my P4 rotations um, is when it hit me that I needed to become involved. I had some great preceptors who talked to me about engagement in professional associations. And in fact, a mentor of mine um, that was a rotation preceptor offered to review my CV before I was applying for residencies and said, well, you missed the section about your professional engagement or professional memberships. Mm -hmm. And I, I asked him, well, is it better to have a header with nothing under it or just leave the header off completely? And he was astonished that I was a member of, of nothing. And I, I really used that during my residency interview years to talk about how I recognized that I missed out on that opportunity as a student, and I wanted to really um, make up for lost time and get as engaged in professional organizations during my residency year as I could. Okay, so now you are leading the charge at Iowa Pharmacy Association. So what's a typical day like for you in running IPA, and what are the primary roles that you play? Oh, a typical day. Um, a lot of meetings, a lot of emails, coffee, uh, eating on the run, using windshield time for conference calls or staff meetings, uh, 
a few laughs and, and smiles when we're with our members or other partners. Honestly, some days I might shed a few tears or even bang my head on my desk. But my, my primary roles at the association include strategic visioning and executing the board's strategic plan. Also managing the finances of IPA and helping our staff if they get stuck. Thankfully, um, we have a great team. I like to say we're small but mighty with our staff of nine here at the Iowa Pharmacy Association. So our operation runs pretty smoothly. And when you talk about the operation of a pharmacy association, it's very different if you work at a, a local or regional or small state association, may you may may only have a part-time employee or maybe one association um, staff member um, compared to a state like Iowa where we do have uh, a team of nine helping to execute our members um, and our leadership strategic plan and vision. Um, but compared to a national a pharmacy association where there may be um, a staff of 50 or 100 or several hundred. Um, it looks very different at, you know, depending what size of pharmacy association someone may work at. In Iowa, relative to the other 50 states or 49 states and territories, mm-hmm. um, how big is the association? Would you view it as medium sized, larger sized? I would put us in the top 5% okay. or top 10%. Um, you know, there are certainly a few state associations that are, are larger and, of course, much larger states, um, California, Florida, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Texas. But a few things that make Iowa unique. We are a unified state association, so our membership spans all practices of pharmacy. We have health system and hospital pharmacists. We have community-based pharmacists. Um long-term care and senior care, academia, and really everything in between. So that that really helps us in our mission. And in today's changing healthcare landscape, I think having pharmacists from across the care continuum at the same table really strengthens our profession's message. But in terms of our relative size of an organization to the size of our state, I would say we are a disproportionately large or strong association for Iowa being such a small state. Yeah, and one of the reasons I picked on you, Kate, was that I know Iowa has done some really innovative things around telepharmacy, for example. So um, how do those initiatives, those kind of cutting edge initiatives get wrapped up in and around the association? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So whether it's telepharmacy, technician product verification, um, even going back in time, Iowa was on the front front edge of collaborative practice agreements or immunization um, on the front edge of DUR and state Medicaid drug utilization review commissions um, on the cutting edge when MTM was being established and prior to that pharmaceutical care. Mm-hmm. And the association's role, I think, is to really be a catalyst for our members that are pushing the envelope. And we're fortunate in Iowa to have two outstanding colleges of pharmacy at Drake University and the University of Iowa that that really um, create the culture very on, very early on for pharmacy students um, 
to pursue innovative pharmacy practice and to be part of a patient's healthcare team. So our members across the state and across practice settings are continually pushing the envelope and they come to IPA for guidance, for resources, sometimes for validation um, that, yep, you can do that. And then IPA's role is to really take what we know our members are doing across the state and those innovative practices and those those successful um, pharmacy practices and help spread the word about that, help connect those innovative sites with um, other provider groups. So, you know, educating groups like the Medical Society, the Board of Medicine, the Board of Nursing, um, the Hospital Association on, on how pharmacists um, are trained to be members of the healthcare team in today's healthcare system. And then if there's a, a need for, for example, a change to our practice act to allow something to occur more broadly, IPA may then step in with a legislative priority to help advance our, you know, regulatory environment so that whatever that innovative practice is could be allowed uh, more broadly and, and sustainably across the state. So it's really a, a tandem effort with having members that are doing really great things. And, and we are so fortunate in Iowa um, to say that it's, you know, not just a handful of pharmacists, but there's a lot of pharmacists doing that. And then partnering with the association to take that message even further. Yeah, I love that. And um, so let's let's go back to the career development piece specifically for you. I know there are some associations out there that focus on association executives. So, for example, ASAE or the American Society of Association Executives. Are there any other organizations that you can think of to um, support your role as a leader in an, inside an association? We also talk about certifications a lot on this uh, podcast. I know there's a CAE certification. Can you kind of talk around those elements? Yeah, absolutely. And that is true. Just like there is IPA for pharmacists in the state of Iowa, there's an association for associations. And my, um, probably my first lifeline on, on areas where I, I need a lifeline is NASPA. And that's the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations. So my counterparts um, across the country and state pharmacy associations are, are working on similar issues. So oftentimes we can bounce things off one another and you're usually not the first one to do something. But if you are, and sometimes Iowa is, um, then you can share that and, and help others along the way. But once I began working at IPA, I also joined the Iowa Society of Association Executives, ISAE, okay. and the American Society of Association Executives, ASAE. And both of those associations are incredibly beneficial because associations really aren't all that different across professions or in some cases across trades. You know, we deal with hosting events, providing education, recruiting and retaining members, um, nonprofit financial management, um, board governance, things that, um, you know, you don't learn in pharmacy school, quite frankly. So those groups have been, um, or those associations that I'm a member of have also really been rich in the resources that they've provided 
uh, me and some of those, you know, non-pharmacy things that it takes to run a state pharmacy association. Yeah, and for my understanding too, the certification, the CAE, uh, is a process. It's not something you can just go take a test for and be done with. You have to practice for so many hours as an executive before you can even participate in the certification process. Right. And, you know, it's been a while since I counted it up, but I believe across state pharmacy associations, about half of them are run by pharmacists as a a staff executive like myself um, being CEO at IPA. Of course, all are run by pharmacist board members and and volunteer officers. But of the non-pharmacists that lead state pharmacy associations as their staff executive, you know, there are a handful of attorneys and then even more CAE. So some of my counterparts in other states, you know, previously worked for the Association of Realtors in another state or the Association of Home Builders. One was um, I believe the executive of the Association of Scuba Divers. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you can, once you have that CAE certification, um, the the skills that you learn do apply to any association you might manage. And then it's learning the intricacies of whatever group you go to. So I spend a lot of my time working with my non-pharmacist counterparts in states Um, providing education on the professional issues because they are very complex. Yeah. So um, what is your biggest challenge in heading an association? Uh, Your favorite function within your role? Like what gets you really geeked out when you get out of bed in the morning to go to work? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that might be a good chance for me to tie it back. One thing I forgot to say when you were talking about your daily you know, what happens on a a regular day running an association. Yeah. Recording a podcast, this is so far out of my regular day. In fact, anything talking about me really is not part of running an association. And at least I can speak for the culture at IPA. It's really about members first. So we do everything that we can to help our members achieve success and recognition. So I get geeked out when we're able to nominate our members for national awards and our members go on to receive those awards. Or our members are interviewed on podcasts with tens of thousands of listeners talking about the great things they're doing in their practices. So it's really neat when you can see um, your members being recognized for everything they're doing to help their patients and have a successful career that they love being a pharmacist. You know, that's probably the other pieces really at the association. I think, you know, I would say I'm so lucky in that the pharmacists I work with are the best of the best. They're the pharmacists that love what they do. Um, They're engaged in the profession They want to bring others along and up to that high level of pharmacy practice um, so that our entire profession can move forward. So the the two pieces to the answer would be seeing our members um, achieve recognition and success and helping, you know, helping whatever we can do behind the scenes to get them there. And then secondly, just the energy that our members bring. around the 
the pharmacy profession and that they, they truly are the pharmacists that love being pharmacists. Yeah. And, you know, associations in general right now, I think, are getting a little pushback. I mean, with the era of Facebook and Twitter and, um, you know, a lot of the younger generations in some respects don't join associations as quickly as maybe their predecessors did. You know, when you think back to the older populations with... um, fraternities and, you know, clubs and organizations that were a little more formal. So I'm sure membership is always a challenge with any association. But um, why do you think pharmacists should get involved in their state pharmacy or pharmacist association? Yeah, I think you teed that up perfectly. Um, I would say my why is more the feeling you get and the feeling that you want to have about your profession. You know, in my 13 years, I guess now, of being around associations, my experience is that those who are engaged in their professional association have the greatest career satisfaction. Okay. And I don't think it's that they have career satisfaction and then they join the association. I think they're engaged in the association and they eventually land their dream job. And that dream job or that opportunity came to them through a contact they made oftentimes at an association meeting or through the network they created um, by still, you know, getting together, um, whether it's for education or for networking. And, and quite frankly, we weave fun into everything we do at the association as well. Um, I think the association helps lift folks back up too. If someone is um, experiencing dissatisfaction in their current career place, or, you know, maybe on that path to professional burnout, which is such a a real issue in healthcare right now. Um, I think the association is the group that helps, helps lift those folks up too. Yeah, you alluded to uh, my next question a little bit already, but, you know, the joke or the not so funny joke, I guess, is that if you're getting into pharmacy, you have to be involved in politics as well. So how do you work with your state lawmakers to affect positive change within the profession? Yeah, I learned that early on when I came to work at IPA. It was probably in my first month I heard someone say, you're either at the table or you're on the menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before I worked for the Pharmacy Association, I was naive to the extent of influence that an organization like IPA can have. And I know you asked about state lawmakers, but I actually just um, got back at about 1030 last night from a, a 36 hour trip out to Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. for the NCPA Congressional Summit. And we had record turnout from Iowa pharmacists um, for meetings in D.C. So I might just talk about that briefly. We met with all six offices um, from Iowa, our two United States senators, and we have four um, members of Congress on the House side in D.C. And we truly had a chance to talk about pharmacists as valued members of the healthcare team, but also the importance of the payment model that exists in pharmacy today. And of the group that attended from Iowa, about half were first-time attendees. 
And it was so invigorating for me to see their excitement in being part of that process and being able to tell their story and how not only the um, elected members of Congress, but their staffers who are the ones doing the day in and day out research and, and briefings, um, how the wheels clicked for them too. And to see those pharmacists um, make that difference and the, the um, excitement that they got out of it and, and leaving those meetings um, with some reassurances that all six members um, from Iowa support pharmacists and support pharmacists' role on the healthcare team was um, was just outstanding. I wish every pharmacist in the state could experience that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, we just had Deanne Mullins on the show as well, who's a past NCPA president. So she's got a two-part series, and we've got the second part coming soon. But, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that perfect example. That's great. So let's say we've got some students out there listening, and they're really interested in getting involved in a state association. So what um, you know, P4 opportunities, maybe there's some rotation opportunities and or postgraduate opportunities have you witnessed within your role um, either in Iowa or in other state pharmacy associations where students and or recent graduates can get involved? Yeah, most state associations and the nationals take rotation students. So I'd encourage students to look not only in your state, but at the national level for a rotation opportunity. Also, at least speaking for IPA, we take out-of-state students. I have um, a student from the University of Colorado right now, and that's awesome to expose them to the Iowa Pharmacy Association. So anyone's welcome to come here if your school will will work with us. Postgraduate opportunities, um, there's several. IPA started a fellowship program, a one-year postgraduate training about three years ago. Okay. Other states that offer the postgraduate opportunities that I'm aware of include Tennessee, Michigan, Arkansas, and Missouri. At the national level, I'm aware of um, ASHP, APHA, NCPA, NACDS, and also PQA, the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, that offer residencies or fellowship training opportunities. Awesome. So it sounds like there's a lot of different options for early uh, pharmacists and or P4 pharmacy students to get involved at the association level. So any advice you have for mid to later career pharmacy professionals and getting involved in their associations in general? Absolutely. And, you know, speaking from experience, it's never too late. You don't have to be that pharmacist or pharmacist who as a student was always involved. No matter when you become engaged in an association, you'll be welcomed with open arms. Just don't be shy. It starts with a phone call or attending a meeting. Really, step one is showing up. Show up in person at a meeting or just show up on our radar. Give us a call or email or even on social media, communicate in that space. And it's it's really a chance, um, you know, to Get engaged at any time. And your state association meeting is coming up. Is that correct? We have a June annual meeting, okay. which is June 9th and 10th this year in Des Moines. Okay. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about what, what's to come with that particularly event? Sure. Um, our annual meeting is our second meeting each year. We host a large educational expo, which is the Midwest Pharmacy Expo each February. And that expo meeting has, you know, 18 hours, I believe, of continuing education credits, uh, pharmacists from eight states across the Midwest. It's really promoted as our meeting to learn, connect, and be inspired. Okay. And our annual meeting is the smaller of the two, but equally important with a, a different agenda. We host a House of Delegates at our annual meeting that debates policy issues and kind of back to the, you know, politics question and being engaged in pharmacy, being engaged in um, policy and, and politics, the chance to hear from pharmacists in the Iowa House of Delegates really sets the stage for issues that are up and coming. It's looking ahead to what may be legislative priorities in a year or two years from now. What are things that are happening on the regulatory front? What are opportunities for pharmacists to expand their practice? So it's always an, an interesting debate and, and exciting. Um, some of the topics we'll be discussing this year include professional burnout and resiliency, PBM payment reform, um, expedited partner therapy, and a few other hot topics that I know are equally exciting. I just don't know them off the tip of my tongue. And also at the annual meeting is when we provide our, our, our association's annual awards. So going back to that opportunity to recognize our members who are doing outstanding things in their practice and um, in the profession. So we honor probably about um, 10 to 12 pharmacists, pharmacy technicians and student pharmacists, as well as um, a non-pharmacist with our patient care partner award as part of the annual meeting. Well, fantastic. Sounds great. Um, I didn't, I knew that Iowa was kind of a, a hub for several states um, with a meeting, but I didn't know it was back in February. So that's great to know. Um, we don't want to totally walk away from you yet. We want to talk a little bit about work-life balance. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast channel, particularly about women in leadership. So let's talk about your life part a little bit too, Kate. You have four children under age seven, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how you balance out being a very busy mom, I'm sure, and, and running the state association, which is equally busy. I can try. This is usually when I cry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We don't want anybody crying here. It's I, I know. Um, but, but you're right. And I, I actually became a mom the same year I became the CEO of IPA. And was interesting because my two interviews, it was a, a two-step process for this position occurred um, first when I was eight and a half months pregnant. And then the final interview in front of our full board was when I was on maternity leave. Oh, okay. And in my first month, then six months later of officially walking in the door into a new office as the CEO, um, that month I found out I was pregnant with my second and by the by my fourth year, uh, I had had a set of twins thrown in there. So yes, we had four children under the age of four. 
But finally, uh, my husband and I feel like we're coming up for air now that our twins are three and the older kids are five and six. But I would say I've learned more than anywhere else. I've learned from other IPA members that are parents, both moms and dads. It's really inspiring, actually, to be surrounded with professionals that care so much about their profession and their practice, yet even more about their families. But as far as balance, I say I've never found that equilibrium, and I don't think you can. So instead of considering work and life as opposite sides of a scale that I'm always trying to bring into balance, I try to look at it more as a a blend. And if there's a way to weave together personal life and work, at least for me, I feel more peace rather than always feeling torn. So I've learned from others to include family when possible in professional functions and that over time, work colleagues really become close personal friends. So I do struggle with this. Um, I struggle with it a lot actually. Yeah. So I don't know that I'm any I don't know that anyone wants to take advice from me, but I'm always learning. I think we're always learning um, as parents, no matter what stage of life you're in. But I'm truly grateful that in my position at IPA, while it's a you know, a twenty four seven position, your mind is always thinking about what you can be doing to help um, further IPA's mission and vision and work for pharmacists in the state. Um, so you you have to turn it off. I find that I have to consciously make the decision to turn off my work mind and be with my family when I can. But even though it's it's a demanding role, it also provides flexibility. And to a degree, I can control my control my schedule. So a, a good example, actually, my oldest son is in first grade and he still thinks I'm cool. So. <laughs> he asked me to come have lunch with him and his friends. And today, Aww. for example, I was able to go have lunch with him and his buddy before I recorded this podcast. So that's fantastic. In the same breath, I'll tell you that uh, last week I promised him I would go and then I just didn't make it work. So okay. <laughs> some days I feel good about it and other days not so much. Well, I, I think... What I love about your story, Kate, is that you're doing it. You are a woman leader inside pharmacy, leading an association with a you know a family, and you're you're doing the best that you can. And I think a lot of women struggle with they have to do one or the other; they can't do both. And I love that you're doing both. So thank you for sharing that part of your life. Yeah, I guess if I have advice, you know, think about integration and how you can weave the two together, and and just don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. So where can people learn more about you and Iowa Pharmacy Association? Sure. Um, our website is iarx.org. Uh, Facebook, we have an Iowa Pharmacy Association page as well as Twitter, which is at Iowa Pharmacy IPA and Instagram with the same Iowa Pharmacy IPA. And personally, I'm on Twitter. I'm not that active, but maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll be more active. It's um, at IPA underscore Kate. 
Perfect. Well, with that, Dr. Kate Gaynor, thank you for being part of the Pharmacy Podcast and sharing your story with our listeners today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a a real honor to be here. So are you ready for our speed round? Oh, yeah. I thought we were running over time and we might just skip it. Nah, no, we'll go through it really quickly. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. What books are you reading right now? I've got um, a book called Seeing What Others Don't. And also on my desk is Lean In. I'm rereading it because it's been five years and I have all of our rotation students read it and I just want to make sure it's still worth recommending and so far it is good what podcasts are you listening to well the red bubble on my podcast icon is maxed out at a couple hundred and uh, dots after it so I'm I'm pretty behind on podcasts (laughs) if you had to describe the U.S. healthcare system in one word what would that word be fragile What's your best time management tip? Power down and be present. Focus on what's in front of you. And last but not least, what's the best career advice you ever received? The best advice I received was that as a pharmacist, no matter if your salary is on the low or high end, you'll still earn a good salary. So when you don't have to worry about making a living, you can worry about making a difference. And I do think pharmacists that work in associations do it because we truly care about our profession and hope to make a difference. And I share that when I'm asked to give advice to others as well. But in addition to that advice, the career advice I give most often is that the most important career decision you'll make is choosing your spouse or your life partner. And I didn't hear this advice until after I was married, but <laughs> thankfully, um, my husband was the best career decision I ever made because I wouldn't have applied for this position if it wasn't for his encouragement and support. Well, with that, Dr. Kate Gaynor, Executive Vice President and CEO of Iowa Pharmacy Association, thank you again for being part of Farming Your Career. Thank you for the opportunity, Erin. Thanks for listening to another episode of Farming Your Career. I'm Erin Albert. I hope you enjoyed this different spin on career development today, looking at associations and how you as a pharmacist can bring value to leading an organization, an association, either on the nonprofit side or even on the for-profit side, the organizations that support associations in pharmacy and healthcare, such as ASAE, NASPA, and even the certification, the CAE designation, that certification for association executives is definitely a career angle that I know I didn't really think about much prior to this conversation with Dr. Gaynor. We always welcome your feedback. You can reach out to us at Farming Careers on Twitter. You can find me personally at Aaron L. Albert on Twitter. And of course, last but not least, at Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Farming Your Career Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you have ideas or comments for Aaron, be sure to contact her through Twitter. 
Follow her at Erin L. Albert. And remember to keep your career growing.